0: Guess what? You're not a hopeless phoebe because your brain continually returns to the kisses of a certain someone. You're not an idiot because she's the wasabi in your sushi, and her not returning your calls just makes you want her more. You're not hopeless because your heart is making your eyes cry over someone your head knows is an ass. You're not a fool or a tool because you've realized that Copernicus was wrong, and it is your beloved around which your universe revolves— When love happens, there are chemical releases going on that can turn you from wren into stumpy. It's up to you to find a balance in between. Romantic love is an addictive drug, Dr. Fisher writes, comparing it to cocaine, but it's one we need for the survival, health, and happiness of the species. Dr. Fisher details how she and her team came to the conclusion that love was an addictive chemical. They got volunteers— first people who were wildly in love, then people who were broken-hearted by love, to be scanned in an fMRI machine which records blood flow within the brain and shows which areas are activated at particular times. They showed the subjects photos of their beloved and then neutral photos and looked for the differences in the functioning of the brain. Dr. Fisher wanted to test whether the neurotransmitters, dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin, were components of romantic love, since they inspire all the behaviors we think of in someone who's been hit by Cupid, including addiction, anxiety, exhilaration, loss of appetite, and obsession. She was right. When the subjects looked at photos of their beloved, specific parts of their brains lit up like pinball machines, or better, like an Indian summer evening sky. When I first looked at those brain scans, with the active brain regions lit up in bright yellow and deep orange, I felt the way I feel on a summer night when I gaze at the sparkling universe. Overwhelming awe, she writes. This is beautiful not just because we can empathize with her feelings, with our intact theory of mind, but because it shows how alienated people are from their own bodies. Our bodies perform so many functions we never see. We are fascinated by them and want to see them. That's why museum shows, like Bodies the Exhibition, are so popular. We are narcissists. We want to see ourselves. We want to know. Now, fMRI scans are able to show us more about the mystery we carry around in our heads. Awe is the perfect word for it. What surprised Dr. Fisher when viewing the smitten brain was the regions that were involved. The first was the caudate nucleus in the limbic system, the second was the ventral tegmental area, or VTA. A tiny little bead right in the middle of the brain that is the great repository of the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is concerned with motivation toward reward and mania. When you're smitten, when just the thought of your sweetheart makes everything okay, when it makes you feel, as my friend Paige used to say, as if you're a little magnet and they're a great big refrigerator, dopamine is afoot. It's the breakout star of the neurotransmitter set. If love continues and matures, the obsessive thinking does stop, and we move into the calmer romantic and attachment phases, thanks to the hormones vasopressin and oxytocin, which promote bonding, emotional security, and attachment in mammals. Dr. Schran says it's hugely important, this oxytocin, because it binds people together and we need that sense of attachment. I think you can argue that above all, a human being wants to feel valued by someone else, he says. If you think about this from an evolutionary point of view, this is critical, because we weren't so strong or fast, but what we are really good at was hanging out together and being able to protect each other and to develop social networks, whereby we could use the combined resources of our brains to forage, get food, find shelter and to use tools as well as have sex and have more babies with fully myelinated brain stems ready to go. If you were not valuable, you ran the risk of being excluded from this social network and being incredibly vulnerable, and probably being lunch for some other animals. This bonding agent is even being looked at by neuroeconomists in regard to questions of cooperation.